The quickest way to head downhill as an organization is when a leader decides that they can do it all and they don't need their employees. The old saying, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself, doesn't necessarily hold water as a leader. We're going to discuss why it's important to surround yourself with excellent people with Rich Apple out of Horkin, Wisconsin. He's a superintendent in that area and he's been a teacher, coach, and an active member in our military for 24 years as a lieutenant colonel. His experience is going to lend itself well to this conversation. We can't wait to get started. Here we go. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Life, Leadership, and the Pursuit of Greatness. I'm Coach Lovell. I'm, I'm here with Coach Mathis and Coach Rich Apple, superintendent out of Horkin, Wisconsin. Uh, before we get going today, we have some, some shout-outs and thank yous to take care of. First off, uh, we'd like to shout-out our, to our wives who allow us to do this on a Sunday afternoon as coaches and administrators. Um, our lives are often consumed by our job, uh, but this is a great way for us to talk about the things that we love. So uh, the, the women in our life that make us great, uh, Sarah and Kathy and, and Rich, I'll let you introduce your wife or her name when we get going with you. But thank you to those gals who make it happen for us. Thank you to Anchor for making this podcast possible. Uh, we are now on Apple. Uh, so please rate us, review us, subscribe to our channel. Uh, we would love your feedback. And obviously, thank you to those of you who are taking time to listen to us and you try to get better in your life and your leadership skills as you pursue greatness and all the things that you do. So that being said, Coach Apple, welcome to the program. Thank you. Appreciate uh, you guys having me on from the great north. We are honored that you are taking time to spend time with us. Um, in, our, in our introduction, we, we talk a little bit about who you are, but uh, we would love to hear it from you. So if you would just give us your quick elevator speech, uh, we'd love to know about uh, you. Okay. Well, um, I was born and raised in, in Iowa to uh, my parents. Uh, my mom is still alive in Des Moines, Sharon Apple. My dad, Ingbert, was a uh, high school principal and superintendent in Eldora, New Providence there. Um, and so I graduated from Eldora in 83 and, and uh, decided I wanted to go to the University of Iowa. Um, I thought for a brief moment I could maybe even played a little baseball there, but that didn't happen. Um, so I decided to do the next best thing and, and uh, um, was actually the mascot at the university. I was Herky the Hawk for three years mm -hmm. there. Um, My so niece. I bleed black and gold, baby. Um, then I, uh, I got the, uh, a teaching job in, in uh, Tipton, Iowa. Um, my coaching experience started in West Branch. I was an assistant baseball coach there with Don Taylor. And then uh, got the job in, uh, in Tipton and worked there from uh, um, 89 to 95 before I took the job up here in Wisconsin as an elementary principal in a town called Chilton, Wisconsin. Was there 21 years and uh, then have been a superintendent of schools in Horicon for the last four years. Um, during that stint, I also... Uh, in 1986, I decided as a junior in college to join the military and uh, went in as a um, basic training and officer candidate school down at Fort Benning, Georgia, and came out as a second lieutenant 
um, in the infantry. I did uh, 12 years in the infantry. And then I decided to switch over to the special operations community and went into civil affairs and psychological operations and did that the final 12 years. So I retired as lieutenant colonel in 2010 um, in CA and infantry. So that's that is my elevator speech. That is impressive. Uh, Thanks for your service. First off, I don't think that can be uh, overstated enough. Um, Not enough recognition goes into that so thank you for all that you've done for our service or our country and uh, those kids that you've served for the last 30 years in education Uh, i i wanted to start off with probably the most important (laughs) question of the podcast here and you got out of coaching at tipton in 95 um was it due to your experience with my co-host mr (laughs) dwayne mathis oh i tell you what i love I love I loved coaching Dwayne. He was uh, he had a lot of spunk to him. Um, didn't always agree with my um, my methods of madness to try and get him to to perform all the way to a hundred percent of everything he had. Um, probably one of the more talented players I had come through. Um, Dwayne was a he was a big man and uh, a big man with a little kid heart. Um, so he he played hard, um, really when he wanted. <laughs> kind of, Dwayne, you'll understand. Kind of when he when he wanted to, when he could turn it on, nobody could stop him. Um, and my job as a coach was to try and get him to play that way a hundred percent of the time. Um, and and when he did, he was a dominant force. Uh, there's a few moments that I think Dwayne probably remembers that I probably wasn't his favorite coach, uh, but he. He was a great player, loved coaching him. Um, unbelievable talent that he had is just um, God-given strength. And he was fast, fast, and uh, really could move as a big man. Yeah, I don't think some of my, my players currently would believe that last part there, Coach. But, uh, <laughs> you were. Uh... You were. You could really come <laughs> off the line and go, especially when you were mad at me. You could really dominate anybody. <laughs> You're like, well, I'll show uh... you. I will say some of my fondest memories uh, were you as a coach. So, I mean, it goes, uh, you know, two ways. I mean, you, you say that I probably wasn't uh, too appreciative, but uh, I actually was, uh, you know, looking back on it, very appreciative. But, uh, you know, I'm very intrigued. And, you know, obviously thank you for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a leader, you've been in multiple positions as, as a leader, whether it be coaching, administrative, or even – you know, in the military, you know, what do you, what do you do, um, you know, to, and when you're looking, I'm very intrigued in your opinion on this is how is it important to hire excellent people when you're, when you're in that position of a leader? Oh, it's probably the most important piece to everything is the, the folks that you have around you, um, either as a, as a head coach, um, it's you're as good as your assistant coaches and your coaching staff and how well you guys work together. Um, you can't do everything as a head coach. And if you think you can, you're going to fail because the other folks are not going to have faith in you because they think you are, are the go-to person on everything. That doesn't matter if you're coaching, if you're a school leader, um, as a superintendent right now, I have to have surrounded by, a good business manager, great principals, great teachers, because if you don't have those folks, um, it, it just reflects badly on you and your organization. So 
um, in every bit of my leadership from being a, a military commander, um, I had to have a sergeant major that was top shelf, first sergeant that was top shelf when I was a company commander, all the way down to your platoon sergeant. Um, they're the folks who are going to lead you and, and help you be successful. Um, so the biggest things and the biggest challenges I've ever had in my life is when I've had to, as a leader, is be when you have to work to either mentor a person um, and let them excel in their gifts and share their gifts um, or have to talk to a person about where their shortcomings are. Those are probably the tougher conversations. Everybody likes to be told what they're doing well, but it's really hard to swallow a pill that somebody's given you that says, you know what, I really think that you need to work on this and become better. You need to do these kinds of things. And some people accept that graciously and do it. And others have a hard time with it and think that it's just all you that's doing that. So I think that surrounding yourself with the right people to do those things, that's, that's the most critical piece. And any really solid leader out there who points to themselves as being the difference maker for all of their success, they're doomed to fail. So kind of the adage that uh, if you want it done right, you need to do it yourself doesn't necessarily hold true. Is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, 100%. 100%. But you've got to be willing to to be there and do all of those things that you expect everybody else to do. So it sounds like everything you're talking about, Rich, is, is, is kind of coming into the word trust. And that's, that's multiple levels. Um, how do you build trust on the teams that you're in, in, in the military as a superintendent, you know, not just from, uh, you know, peer to peer, but from peer to employer and then back down the other way. Um, what do you see as the best way to, uh, empower those with with trust it's all about relationships um, getting to know the person getting to know what makes them tick what's their family know their kids know their their wives know what's going on in their in their world so that um, you have a better understanding who they are as a person so that mm. you know that you're just not dealing with a a person in that role, but you got to know what their life is about. Um, in the military, my um, mantra that was always on every one of my ends was um, mission first, people always. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you got to stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish as a team, um, whether military, school, sports, whatever, but you also can never forget that people are the what's going to make it happen. So that's, that's where my philosophy has always been. And don't you feel when you build those relationships, you're going to get that, that extra out of, of course. people under you? Of course you will. Um, you know, if you're understanding and somebody, somebody has a, it could be a major emergency, it could be a minor emergency, and you're flexible to be able to let them go take care of that, that's, um, that's way different than you're, you're going to build that connection up with them so that when they need to, you may ask them to help out a certain thing later. You know what? They know that you've, you've helped them out in time of need. They'll help you out too. Well, I know that, uh, you know, my first ed job that I got, I tried to do everything and it was a complete nightmare. And part of that was, it goes back to that, that trust piece that uh, coach level brought up, but you know, and it was, you know, doomed to fail, but why do you think it is hard for leaders to delegate at times when it gets back down to, you know, is it just a trust factor or, or what is it? I mean, your experience, you've been 
in many different roles. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, most coaches and most leaders are A-type personalities and, and have probably have been involved in many, many things. They try and they're overachievers. They really want to get things done. And sometimes they think that if you're going to get it done, you've got to work harder and you've got to work more than anybody else. And uh, you may think sometimes that you have the answers and how you want to get that done. Um, and so it's kind of hard to delegate some of those things. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's what I have seen from, from some leaders that have failed and were probably pretty good leaders other than the fact that they didn't get the buy-in and the support from their, their team because their team may have other ideas and other options. There's just that you got to listen to and have options for, um, so I, I don't know if, uh, um, where I'm at with, um, you know, if every coach that does that, um, fails because of that, they're just a go getter, or if it's that they just have a hard time thinking that there's other better ideas than ways how to do it. Is that something that you've ever struggled with at times? Yes. Yeah. Rich? Yeah, it is. And it is, it is. There's times when, um, you know, then when you think that you've, and I, when you're doing some things and you, you go, you know, I, I know how this is going to get done. I know the best way how to do this when you're thinking that in your mind. And I've, I've struggled with that too, because there's ways that I say, I, I really, I know that if we do it this way, it's going to be successful, but yet um, I've got to let other people experience that too. I've had great leaders over the years who have allowed me to take some leadership roles and, and they allowed me to fail. I mean, you know, Dwayne, in, in the, my first varsity coaching with the football team with Galen Nord, Coach Nord, he let me do some things on defense, take over the defense as a 23-year-old. You know, I'd never been a defensive coordinator. And yet he he allowed me to really take it over. And I remember him looking at me and I would I would do some things and make some calls and he would He'd kind of give me that look like, be very careful, you know, but he'd still mm -hmm. let me do it. Um, and uh, then there'd be times when he'd bring me in and say, you know what, we're going up against these guys. This is what I want us to do. I don't want to get uh, caught up in, in over blitzing or doing too many of those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I've, I've struggled with that. There's times when you want to think that you've got all the answers. And but you got yeah, if you want to make a team work. Um, there's other ways to do it too. So one of the things that you said that really hit home and we talked, uh, I mean, you know, last week's episode, you know, admitting mistakes, but just in being able to fail. I mean, what you can learn from that, I think, you know, as a society, sometimes we've gotten, you know, so wrapped in that we can't allow our children to fail and there's valuable lessons in that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there really are. And, and, uh, where I've learned probably the most where you learn some things is when you do fail, you learn how to do it better or different the next time. Yeah. We went through that this last year as a, as a football program, you know, we went 0 and 9 and uh, there was a lot of things that you know, number one, it was just challenging, but there were a lot of things coming out of that, that as a staff, we realized here are the, here are the things that we have to tighten down here are the things that we want to focus on and here are the things that we no longer want to do. And uh, that was really eye opening for me. And I wanted to kind of 
go back to the delegation piece because um, I was fortunate to work for a couple of really good head coaches at Linmar. One was Bob Forsyth. He was the head football coach. And one was Corey Brinkmeyer, the head soccer coach. And I was put in good roles as, a, as an assistant for both coaches. The one that really seemed to flourish for me the most was the soccer position. Uh, it sounds um, counterintuitive, but when I got the, uh, the soccer assistant position under Corey Brinkmeyer, he knew that I was a football guy and I hadn't spent much time on the soccer field. Uh, the pitch, as they say, uh, for all those soccer fans, <laughs> the real football fans, um, he allowed me to come in and take over the strength and conditioning program and run the JV program the way I wanted. And I learned so much by just doing that on my own, but running things by him as the leader of the entire program. But he never, he never put his foot down and said, don't do it this way. He always just wanted to know why and, and how can I support you and how can I help you? And at the time, I, I didn't realize what he was doing for me. I didn't realize that he was building me up. Uh, for that next stage in my career. You know, you, you always hear the, the phrase, be where your feet are. And he allowed me to do that and really embrace that side. Num number one, relationally, we were really good friends and we had good trust. But number two, he empowered me to do things that allowed me to grow as, as a coach that ultimately, I think, really helped me be positioned for the, for the head coaching job I'm in right now at Marion High School. Um, and, and I know it sounds counterintuitive to, to hear the word soccer and football, but um, obviously I have a lot of great relationships with the old football program I was with. And there's so many things that they did for me with Bob Forsyth and uh, Travis Sparks, CJ McDonald, K Matt Casebolt that, that did things for me. But Corey's trust in me, kind of back to what you were talking about, Rich, uh, allowed me to grow. And he didn't have to do that. Um, he could have said, nope, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And that's all there is to it. And I would have done it because I wouldn't have known any better. But seeing that model for me has allowed me to um, give a little bit of ground with the assistance that I have in my program now. And I, I probably still need to continue to get better at it as I go um, because, you know, I think we can always improve as, as delegators in, in programs. And there still is a piece to um, – you know, holding on to little things that maybe aren't as big a deal, but they just feel like it. I don't know if I'm explaining no, that I, right. I get it. And I guess the biggest frustration I ever had when I was not in a leadership role um, is uh, if I've had leaders who just would not make a decision. Mm -hmm. You know what? You're getting paid to be a leader. Um, either lead or get out of the way. And yeah. uh, so I've seen that in the military. I've seen that in schools. I've seen that in coaching is that um, absence of making decisions, um, other people are going to make those decisions for you. And so where I think that you need to have collaboration, you need to bring your team together and maybe have some options, um, still at the end of the day, if you're, you're going to be the person in charge, um, you're going to be the one that's, you know, you're going to be on the line for, for the success that your organization is going to have. And so um, regardless of, of, Everything, you know, you can delegate and have people doing that, but uh, it's going to be your name as the as the leader um, to, mm. that has to answer to it. So, you know, I do you think that yeah. do you think that as 
because here's my as what I struggle as you know a, a head coach is you know as a head coach you're supposed to be the one that's working the hardest right because you're you just set it out you're the one that's making the decisions so is do you ever get that opinion though that oh if I don't do this I'm I'm just being lazy or I'm not wanting you know that's that's where I struggle personally I mean it's probably in my head kind of deal because uh-huh. I feel like I should be the one that's working the hardest but and I know that I need to empower my assistants and I do that and in that role but some of the things I'm like well gosh I would never ask my assistants to do anything that I wouldn't do myself kind of deal um yes I I think that anybody who's if you don't think that you should be working harder as a leader um uh, I think I think <laughs> that's inherent you should be you should be thinking you know there's always something more I can be doing um and you're right you can't there's nothing that that your your team that you wouldn't expect of yourself um you know i remember uh, a military story here but i remember one of the we were down to the last week in iraq and um i had uh we had a transitioning over the marines were coming to replace us where we were at out on the western edge of iraq and we had to go back um to ramadi which was just a nasty nasty hellhole to drive through this uh, area and they wanted we they needed the marines were going to go do this so we're transitioning too but they needed two people to go um from our unit who's used to the route and doing all that stuff just to kind of be their their right seat left seat person and uh I remember looking out and we had like three days left in country before we were going to be leaving. And nobody likes to be that short timer going out on one more mission. Mm. And I looked out under my teams and I is like, when you ask for, you know, you're looking to ask for a volunteer and everybody looks down into their books. Mm-hmm. They don't want, nobody wants to make <laughs> eye contact with you. Yep. So I, I took the mission as the officer in charge. And then I had one E five buck sergeant, Tyler Young's who he raised his hand right away and said sir I'm with you let's go and you know I looked at him and to this day he and I still talk about that mission because it sucked but he uh, he and I still talk about that because he stepped up to me that was my job to do for him he didn't have to do it and he stepped up to do that because he's just one of those guys who said you know what if it's got to be somebody else let it be me so um, those are the kind of things that I think that you gotta, as a leader, you, you'll identify some folks that, you know, you can really lean on to do those extra things, but you've got to be the person who said, I'll be the first one to do those. That is, uh, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, Rich, thinking about, okay, three days, we got us, we got to get this stuff across Iraq. And what if something goes wrong and I'm three days away from getting out of here and the thoughts that probably were going through your mind and, and that other young man's mind, uh, I, I really can't imagine, but uh, what an example for your team. Um, that, that is awesome. So I guess the next, the next question is how do you know when it's firing on all cylinders? Like everybody's doing their job. How do you, how does it feel? How do you know? Well, it's, yeah, you just feel it. I mean, you're going to see the results um, in sports. You're going to see your, your team, everything coming together, your coaching staff, everybody. You don't even have to say some things. The other person just knows what to do next. 
um, you know, your plays, your sequencing, if you're coaching, your sequences of, of your, what you're running um, just seems to work. Uh, your team has faith in you. Your coaches have faith. Everything's going um, in a, in your business sense, in a school system, it's when your staff and everybody, I mean, your kids are doing well, they're performing, you know, you, you can just sense it, but also the data will show it too. Um, oh. It doesn't matter what organization I've been in. There's the results are going to show that, man, you're, you're, you're doing, you're at the top of your game right now. And I've, I've had some situations where that's been evident. And then I've got situations where, Man, we are just every time we turn around, we run into another wall. <laughs> well, you talked about, uh, and, and Coach Mathis, if I'm interrupting you here at all, just let me know. But you talked about maybe sometimes having those critical conversations when, when you have someone on the on the team that isn't pulling their weight, or you need to have uh, a sit down. How, how does that go? How do you approach that? What What do you find to be most effective to get a message across to somebody that needs to hear something important. Well, the probably the most important piece is that you've already established that relationship piece beforehand. So you're sitting down with an understanding that, uh, um, you know what, you still care for the person, but we got to have some changes. Um, and I think if you can approach it from that way, um, then at least you're going to be on the same page with that discussion. It's still going to be tough still difficult to have but um i think that that's that's the first step that you got to do is be able to sit down and and have a uh have that discussion from the heart um and if you don't have that relationship with that person um and you're not able to have that relationship that could be the breakdown right there is that you got a person that you just can't connect to and they don't want to connect to you and if that's the case that's usually a fairly quick conversation honestly to say this just isn't going to work and uh, you you're going to be successful but it's probably going to have to be someplace else um, mm. and those are tough tough conversations to have but uh, you know it it happens so if I know uh, coach Apple I'm sure those conversations are tough I mean because he does truly care about people but I also know that you're just not a uh, beat around the bush type of guy. So I'm sure you probably ripped that bandaid off. Yeah, quickly. that's probably, I've been, I've been blamed <laughs> for being a little too blunt at times, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I just think that true honesty and telling folks exactly what you think and where you're at with some stuff is the best rather than sugarcoat it and, and uh, kind of beat around that bush. I don't, I don't like to do that. Well, for, for leaders, that's a mindset, right? To understand that when you get into this role, you have to embrace those conversations if you want to move forward as, as an organization, right? You have to, you have to, otherwise, otherwise I, I just don't think that you're going to have, um, cause not everybody's at the, is always going to be on board with, with your direction where you want to go. But if you want to go that direction, you, you need to get them there. So mm. yeah, those are tough conversations. Well, I think something that I always tell, uh, like whether it be, uh, my bosses or people that or other coaches that when we're talking about, you know, these difficult conversations is I, I actually relish in those difficult conversations because that's kind of why you got into this position, mm -hmm. right? You want to be in those difficult conversations. Now they may not always be easy, 
but I truly do believe that you find your most opportunities for growth through those difficult conversations. It is, it is. And I, uh, I was, I mean, I'll be honest, when I was in Iraq, we had a, uh, a commander that was my commander that was struggling with some things. And, and, you know, when I kind of said lack of making decisions, well, always over there, it can get people injured or killed. And so it, the commander really, my senior commander said, this person needs to lead, follow or get out of the way. And so the command changed him and put me in charge. I think that mm. sometimes those situations when you go into chaos or you get into some things, they don't, you know, they always, I think that chaos kind of exposes good leadership. You know, it, it doesn't create it. I think leadership is already there, but it exposes those because there's people who are not in leadership positions who, when things need to really, somebody needs to step up, they'll step up. You'll see it on your team that the captain might not be the person who is the most influential on the team. But when things start to fall apart, there will be somebody on that team who will say, come on, guys, we're going to get this thing together. And it might not be your captains. Well, and the other word for chaos is adversity, right? Absolutely. Yep. Any kind of challenges you got. So, Coach Happel, what, are, what is some advice that you would give to young, young people or young people who aspire to be either a business owner uh, a captain in the military, uh, a head football coach. Um, what are what would you tell them to do for the people that are in charge of them? Um, hmm. well, so, in, you mean like their leaders or like the yeah the people yeah that they're for? Yeah, so like it, I'm 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 working for you. You're the head coach. Okay. I'm the assistant. What would you? What advice would would you give me to do for you? to get ready for that next step in my career? Um, communicate, communicate and talk. Uh, keep me in the loop. If there's questions and ideas that you have, share them. Um, and uh, because lots of times my role is not to give guidance, but there might be some things that they come forward and they say, you know what? I'd really, I'm thinking about doing this. What are your thoughts on this? And, you know, in 30 years in the business and a lot of experiences I've had, sometimes I've had a, something similar that maybe between the discussions between us, we could, you know, I can give a little guidance or, or advice on something going forward. Talk to your peers. Um, I just think that the whole, the biggest piece to all of this is communication and then building that relationship up. So, you know, if you, if a person wants to get more experiences in a certain kind of leadership or presentations, doing talking to other staff or whatever, um, talk to us and we'll help facilitate that. I think, hmm. you know, if you don't know where a person really wants to go for their own success, um, it's hard to help them get there. So that's what I would be telling. And I, I tell my, my principals that I tell my coaches that, um, you know, we, we try and, and facilitate all of those discussions into being, where do you want to go with your life? What do you want to do? I think that uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, that most of the people that are in these positions are always, you know, type A personalities. And, you know, sometimes I think as head coaches or just even people in, in, in leadership positions, when you get surrounded by people who maybe have those aspirations, you start to feel a little threatened, like, well, is this person trying to push me out to have my job? 
I mean, have you ever experienced any of that? Yeah. Yeah. You, um, there's some folks who, uh, they can try and undermine you as a leader just because, um, they may not agree with the direction you're going and they can be a very toxic environment in your, in your team, your organization, because they have own their own ambitions rather than the um, organization's ambitions. And that's always, those are tough, tough situations, but those always will be toxic. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you're, you're talking about the the different leadership styles and and obviously you've, been in many different in the sense of the business world the coaching world i mean business education word world and then also the military where you know decisions can be life or death that you talk about and how do you if when you're being led by someone that you don't necessarily maybe you have a question maybe you don't necessarily agree with the the plan that they're trying to implement how do you in a respectful way i guess you know, you talk about that relationship piece and the communication piece with it, but you don't want to be deemed, you know, someone that is, you know, trying to undermine it, like we just talked about. But you also don't want to be someone that's, you know, accused of just trying to be a rabble rouser, rocking the boat or anything like that. So what's the best way for, for you know, these young people that may be listening to this to, to you know, maybe necessarily, I don't want to say in a respectful manner, but, you know, push back if you don't necessarily agree. Is, is, is there all, one or do you just shut my, up and, in and my move opinion, along? It's all about timing and it's all about how it's done. Um, if it's ever perceived that there's a, a power struggle or there's a, um, something that's going on to undermine the leadership or the organization, um, you'll typically fail in that even if you have intentions to try and make things better so it's all about how you do it um you know private discussions with people is much better than going publicly to call people out because people have pride they have Mm. they have their own their own feelings about you know are they being called out as a leader are they being called out as um their decision making those kinds of things so it's all about timing and how you do it um I don't think that having other ideas is a bad thing. And I think that being able to share those with leadership, as long as, as long as the, you know, if the leader's not willing to listen to those things, well, that's, that's a character trait of a leader that uh, may not be one you want to follow. So then you got to look, there's a lot of options out there in the world to go work at And then you got to decide, do I want to work with this leader? Or do I want to go another location? Um, so, that's where I guess I, that would be my advice is um, you don't want to be seen as that person who just because you disagree with, with your leader that you undermine them. And how do you do that? Well, you, you may have to have a private conversation with them or you, um, you go find leadership or become that leader that uh, is going to do it the way you feel is best. So what I'm, what we're here and as I'm, I've got a page of notes here, by the way, so um, it's unbelievable. But what I'm hearing is as a leader, it's your job to empower uh, your employees. Uh, But you do that through relationship building, which builds trust and loyalty. And you, you're humble enough to admit you don't have all the answers and you lean on your employees to trust them to do their job, uh, knowing that that may not be done the way you want, but it's going to be done to the best of their ability. 
And when it's done that way and you honor those employees or those coaches underneath you for the work that they do, it's going to come back tenfold to you. And then, as we talked about earlier, your team is going to be on fire. Wow, you captured it well. I, that's what I try to – that's what. That's how I feel. <laughs> that's what I try to say anyways, yeah. Well, I'm telling you, I got – He's much He's much better at that <laughs> than I am. So. Well, we just – I've just – you know, I, I, I – everything you're saying is just – uh, it's just pure gold coach. I, I, I don't know how else to say that, but I think, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Um, well, thanks. we are honored that you took time to be with us, to give us your thoughts. Um, I know you got probably a lot better ways to spend a Sunday afternoon, uh, than with some guy you don't know. And, uh, of course I know you'd probably enjoy spending time with Dwayne anyway, Absolutely. That, that, that old coach uh, <laughs> player relationship goes a long it, way and it never goes away. You know, I, I, I enjoy doing this. I still love talking about football. Um, I still, I still think that I'm a defensive coach when I'm watching games and, you know, and anytime I can talk leadership or I can talk with other people who want to aspire to be a leader. Um, Hey, if I can, give a nugget here or there because I'm always learning. I still go to, I still go to lots of presentations and hear other people. And I go, wow, I'm, I got so much to learn. And, uh, you know, when you hear those other people doing those th- great things, um, you, you it, the day I stop thinking that I can't get better, then it's time to retire. Well, that's that whole growth mindset you have as an educator. Yep, it's it never is. too, it's, it's never too late to stop learning. The brain is plastic and will continue to grow as long as you let it. Yeah, it is. Well, I, you know, I'll just I'll just say this too. You know, from from my standpoint, coach. I mean, uh, you know, I, I hope that relationship never never dies. I mean, because I can truly say from from my heart that the, there's a lot of love in it for you and what you've instilled in me and, and a lot of the things that uh, you know we went through together have led me to where I'm at today. And uh, you know, I still use you as a sounding board. Uh, you know, when things, uh, you know, I have mm-hmm. questions on things and, you know, I just can't, I can't thank you enough for your continued friendship and, and mentorship, you know, that you've provided for me for, you know, for most of my life. Well, so, Dwayne, I, thank I you. appreciate that. And, you know, I, I look back at you, I look back at so many of the players that, that I've had the good fortune to be able to be with and coach and, and, you know, you guys are all grown men now and, and I wasn't very old. I was, 22 23 years old when i was coaching you guys and it's crazy to me that now you guys you're not that much younger than me but uh i'm so proud of you and what you've done and what you've accomplished just like so many of my players and and that's kind of what's wonderful as a leader too is to see you know folks that you worked with that you helped kind of train to become what they want to become um find success in what they do that's you know it's kind of like being a dad you see your kids grow up and Amen. And you like to see him be successful, so that's a positive. But I think it goes. You you mentioned something. I think I, I want to highlight here is that you don't have to be thirty years old to be a leader. I mean, you were making an impact on me as you know. You said a very young man, and but that's what you modeled to us and the relationships that you built with us and the way you went about it was it was truly impactful. Well. Thanks. I, I think I made mistakes along the way too. So I just uh, was fortunate enough to, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to still have those that people, people were able to look past and keep going, I guess. So. 
Well, Coach Apple, Coach Mathis, um, we have covered a lot of great ground today on why it's important for leaders to surround themselves with good people. Uh, as a listener, thank you for tuning in today. As always, please uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our Apple podcast or check us out on anchor.fm. Uh, Coach Apple, thanks for joining us today. We are going to say goodbye for today, but next week we will come back and discuss the, the, the uncommon commitment it takes uh, to be successful uh, in this world today. Uh, as always, let's pursue life, leadership, and greatness in all that we do. Have a great day.